Hi, you're listening to AR Zone on the issue of intersectionality. Brief interviews ahead of the Pro Intersectionality Vegan Conference being held at VegFest London in October 2016. I'm AR Zone founder Carolyn Bailey, and I'm joined for these special podcasts by sociologist Dr. Roger Yates. For today's episode, the first in this special series, we welcome our guest, Sarah K. Woodcock. Sarah is the founder and executive director as a volunteer of TAVS, the Advocacy of Veganism Society. Sarah is an adopted Korean-American vegan. She lives in the Minneapolis area of Minnesota in the United States with her husband and adopted non-human animals. Sarah, thanks for joining us and welcome to this special series of podcasts. Thank you so much for having me, Carolyn and Roger. It's an honor to be here. You're most welcome, Sarah. Sarah, I'd like to begin today by asking you what will be our first opening question to all of our guests in this special series. What does intersectionality mean to you? So I like to refer to intersectionality as pro-intersectionality to show that I am pro-intersectionality or for taking a pro-intersectional approach in the animal rights movement. By referring to it as pro-intersectionality instead of just intersectionality, I intend to show respect for Dr. Kimberly Crenshaw, who coined the term, and her work, and to remind others that when we apply the concept of intersectionality to the animal rights movement, we shouldn't lose track of why the concept and Dr. Crenshaw's work was originally needed, because looking at systems of oppression, such as racism or sexism, in a vacuum, as if they exist as separate forces, it actually fails everyone who exists at the intersection of those systems. For instance, someone like me, who is both a person of color and a woman. So with that said, pro-intersectionality, it's a complex and dynamic concept that because it's getting a lot of attention in society as a whole and in the animal rights movement, it's finally helping those who are in the throes of multiple systems of oppression be better heard, in air quotes, and understood. I think the term intersectionality is oftentimes used in a way that actually oversimplifies and underrepresents what it really means. I think it's oftentimes used as a catch-all term for anything and everything that has to do with oppression or discrimination or prejudice. And in the animal rights movement, this means that anything to do with racism or sexism is considered, quote, intersectionality. So I think that's a little bit of an oversimplification and an underrepresentation of what it was really intended for. But with that said, I do love the progress that's being made in the animal rights movement in these areas. Uh, voices that are typically marginalized and silenced are being prioritized and intentionally, quote, heard and being given platform. And people are making positive changes both inside themselves and outside themselves in the animal rights movement. It definitely has been happening. So pro-intersectionality to me is really meaningful because it puts the focus on oppressed groups and their pain and their experiences and also their needs and their wants. We're looking critically at organizations and advocacy methods and analyzing whether they aggravate or heal the oppression and pain of oppressed groups. This is really important work to be doing. To me, veganism as an anti-speciesist position, it rests upon the principle of justice, as do anti-racist and anti-sexist positions and movements, for example. So the animal rights movement starting to take pro-intersectionality seriously means that we're starting to honor the foundation of justice that veganism itself rests upon. This can only be good for other animals and for everyone else. 
Wow, what an awesome answer. I'm, I'm glad we invited you now, Sarah. Um, <laughs> the, uh, but just, just, to, just to clarify on that point, because funny enough, um, me and Carolyn talked about this kind of you know, intersectionality and pro-intersectionality issue uh, when we were kind of planning for this little series. So would it be better then for people to say, rather than I'm an intersectional vegan, would it be better to say I'm a pro-intersectional vegan, do you think? Yeah, well, certainly, you know, like me say as a, a a white cis guy, right? Would it be better for me to say that, wouldn't it? Absolutely, I think so, because it gives deference to the original concept. It's similar to how I think about um, sexism and feminism. I prefer that people say, if they don't belong to the oppressed class, I prefer that they say they're pro something, so pro-feminist versus feminist. It's putting you in the area of ally rather than yep. making any claims self, yeah? Yep, and, you know, as we know, that's a continually evolving um, identity as well, and, you know, it's meant that people that are part of the oppressed class can identify someone else as an ally. Um, but, yeah, I think it's good in deference to do that, to show your intention um, and what you believe. So, um, given your understanding of intersectionality in the context of the vegan movement, I want to try and get your feeling on you know, what you think the future looks like and the issue of, you know, how we might move forward from here. Yeah, well, some progress is being made in the animal rights movement with regards to pro-intersectionality. We have to remember that this is a lifelong journey of learning, integrating what we have learned, building and maintaining community, which is so important to building and maintaining the vegan movement, and educating others. It's also about supporting those who are the victims of these systems of oppression. It's about platforming those who wish to be platformed and prioritizing the voices of those who belong to marginalized groups that we're learning about. But beware, when justice makes progress, reactionaries try to destroy it. Two toxic factions of the animal rights movement have already been doing this, employing, quote, non-humans first ideologies and spreading lies or deplatforming women of color, other people of color, and other women in the movement who take a pro-intersectional approach. Also, it's critically important to remember those who have suffered and struggled and continue to suffer and struggle to bring these pro-intersectional messages through. When we learn things that are enlightening us in these topics, it's typically because the realizations were born out of pain and suffering. This isn't easy work to be doing. For people who don't exist in an intersectional matrix of oppression, learning about these issues is like learning about any other topic that's flat, learning about something that exists in a textbook. For people who do exist in an intersectional matrix of oppression, this is our lives. It can be devastatingly painful to exist in the animal rights movement as a person of color and a woman and watch fellow vegans casually dismiss the oppressions and microaggressions that I am subject to, that other people are subject to, and dealing with every day of our lives. A common theme from vegans who have not adopted a pro-intersectional approach is sort of this knee-jerk reaction of animals are the most victimized people on the planet, we should focus on them, and that if you don't agree, you're speciesist. Well, by the numbers, yes, there are more of them by the billions than there are humans. But ranking oppressions when millions of humans are neck deep in various forms of life or death struggles and oppressions themselves 
it's a jaw-droppingly privileged position to take. If we're fortunate in that we're not struggling to survive in one way or another every day of our lives, we mustn't forget that we are in a privileged position. While rejecting, discussing, analyzing racism or sexism may seem like unnecessary distractions from, quote, the real victims, the animals, for white vegans or vegans who are men, it is a life-or-death matter of survival for more than half the population. Ranking oppressions by employing, quote, non-humans first ideologies is not only a privileged position to take, it's also so harmful and dismissive. It doesn't foster community. And we're never going to achieve justice for anyone with those sorts of ideologies. Our movement is only made less safe for vulnerable populations when we act from these knee-jerk responses instead of taking a pro-intersectional approach. So with all of this said, I have two main pieces of advice with regards to pro-intersectionality. One, learn, learn, learn about oppression. Keep learning, especially systemic oppression, which is not to be confused with individual discrimination or prejudice. Never think that you've made it and that, hey, I've reached this point, I'm an ally now. This learning is done by reading and, quote, listening to those who are in the oppressed class of that system of oppression. What is liberation to them? What is it not? Learn from them. Number two, support those who are speaking up about these systems of oppression with a strong emphasis on listening, quote, to those who belong to oppressed groups. While we may not agree with everything they say about everything, we can always learn something and incorporate it into our lives and into the animal rights movement. If we do these things with regards to pro-intersectionality and build the animal rights movement with veganism as the moral minimum, which it has to be, if we say that we are a movement about justice, our future is bright. As Alan Lee said the other day, which I just loved, the animals will love us to bits. Sarah, thank you so much for joining us today and for sharing your very valuable insights with us. And I'd also like to this opportunity to very sincerely thank you for all that you continue to do on behalf of both humans and other animals. Yeah, thank thanks, you, Sarah. Thanks, Sarah. Thank you so much, Carolyn. That means so much coming from you. And thank you, Carolyn and Roger, for having me on today. It was a pleasure and an honor. <laughs>